two. One. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Welcome to episode 10 of Barbecue321's Pitmaster Interviews. Today we are chatting with Pitmaster Brad Leininger of the barbecue competition teams Getting Basted and Blues Hog. We talk about everything from leading top barbecue teams to mastering competition dishes. We get his thoughts about his world championship run at the Memphis MA competition and learn why barbecue isn't just for the pros. Light up those smokers. Let's get it going. Episode 10. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. We're here with Brad Leininger from Getting Basted. Great to see you, Brad. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been here for a while. You've been in the barbecue competition world forever. You are, I don't know if you're the winningest man, but you're pretty darn close. You're giving Myron Mixon a run for the winningest man. There's a couple of us up there, man. It'd, it'd, be, a good, uh, it'd be a good wrestling match anyway. Thanks for the conversation, at least. And you've also been on a lot of TV, and we're talking to you today specifically about Barbecue USA. Tell me about, you know, how was it filming with Barbecue USA, and even from our very beginning, seeing you in Cedar Fest? Oh, man, I, I, I've always liked Michael Simon, and I actually grew up, like, I decided to learn how to cook because watching, like, you know, Food Network, watching Emerald, and, and watching Bobby Flay when he used to have the grilling and chilling and all that stuff. But I consider myself kind of Food Network trained. I mean, I, I've always been the cook around the house. It's because I just love it's not because I didn't go to culinary school, didn't do whatever. So a lot of this comes out, you know, number one, I'm competitive as, as I'll get out. Number two, I love to cook. And so competition barbecue is just a natural extension. So if I get the opportunity to film something and, and uh, spread my love of barbecue, especially with somebody like Michael Simon, I'm going to jump all over it. So I, I actually went to Cedar Fest because I didn't know it was going. It's like a rumor. Hey, they're picking up another show, you know, and, and of course, Pitmasters is our you know, oh, everybody was on that, and, and they did Q-Late you guys went to, and I'm a couple hours from there. I wasn't going to cook it because I was going to go on vacation, but I, Italy, who was the CEO of KCBS, gave all these names and didn't include mine. So I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, well, where are they going? And you guys are going to Cedar Fest, you guys are going to Alabama, you're going to everything. So I'm going to sign up for all these contests. They're not going to put me on them. I'm going to sign up for all these contests and win them all. And so, but as soon as I signed up for Cedar Fest, uh, your casting producers called me and put me on there, so that ended that. But my initial thing was I was just going to follow it around and cook all. So, man, I... I love it. I'm so happy to see somebody step into that space because, you know, everybody that cooks competition barbecue loves Pitmasters and loves Johnny Trigg, who's going to be on the Memphis episode, Myron Mixon, everything else. So to be an opportunity to be a part of that, the next generation of that kind of show, I mean, it, it was absolutely a thrill, and I appreciate you guys putting me on it. I want to back a little bit. How did you start with Blues Hawk? So Tim owned Gateway Crumb Smokers, which is the cookers that I cook on. And he didn't own Blues Hog. Bill Arnold had Blues Hog. It was another company. But it's a, it's a sauce that everybody in the competition world uses. I mean, Blues Hog and Competition Barbecue go back for whatever. Well, Bill developed brain cancer. Tim is a really good good friend of mine. And I was there with Tim bought Blues Hog. And so we've always kind of helped, you know, build up the, the Gateway Drum Smokers, use it in the restaurant. Tim makes my sauce in the restaurant. Blue Salt makes my sauce that I use in the restaurant. And so I've always been kind of a part of that from when he bought the company on. And so we started cooking Memphis and May together. I believe our first one was 2017 is when we did ribs. We did ribs twice. Uh, COVID came, then we did shoulder, then we've done whole hog twice. But Tim and I have always just cooked Memphis and May together, and we were looking at, okay, what makes the most sense? What brand makes the most sense to cook as? And at the time, you know, the restaurants are pretty local. It, so at the time, it, you know, Blues Hog was the, the, the brand that made the most sense and would do the most value to go out there and get, get some recognition. So then back me up even more. When did Getting Basted get rolling? So Getting Basted, we, we were a competition team. We started in 2012. 
was was my first contest, and and I just kind of got into it because of watching Johnny Trigg and Myron and all those guys, Tuffy Stone, and that's how I kind of became aware of, of competition barbecue. Went up to the American Royal, I believe, in 2011 just to check it out, you know, as a spectator. And buddy of mine here in my hometown knew that I was, you know, into it. We cook on the weekends and everything else, barbecue. And he had signed up for our local KCBS competition here in Springfield, Missouri, and he had to back out. And so two weeks before, he's like, hey, you want to go do this? I said, yeah, man, you know, what the heck? And went out there and cooked. Did really well. Ended up with three meat calls, my first contest. Would have wanted if I knew how to do competition chicken, which everybody that's watched the show knows competition chicken is nothing like what you think of barbecue chicken. So if you're coming from outside, you're like, I'm going to make some chicken. No, it's not not what you're making, and I uh, had no idea what that was, and that cost me a contest, but uh, Reesers was doing a potato salad contest, of all things. So I ended up winning, a, winning that thing just as a side ancillary, but it, but it paid $1,000, and it also paid a fully funded trip to Las Vegas to the first ever World Food Championship. So at that point, the hook was set. Yeah. You know, I've spent a million dollars to win, you know, about half that over the last 10 years now. And, you know, it, it's really changed the trajectory of my life. IT at that time, you know, I was there doing computer stuff. And, uh, you know, now I'm completely into food and, and doing barbecue. I've cooked barbecue every day for a living. I mean, you know, it's it, it's really been a, been a blessing for me and my family. And when did it come full-time thing? Obviously, you have sure. the restaurant. Yeah, restaurants. Yeah, yeah. We don't, I guess we keep opening them until one of them work. But, uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of them. Yeah, we opened the first restaurant in 2017, so early in the year. And of course, I'm, I'm in Branson, Missouri, my restaurants are, which is a tourist location. So we opened it up in March, which is the beginning of the season there. And uh, we've been rolling ever since. We've got uh, three getting basteds, and then we've got a kind of a gastro pub. It's a little, a little bit more of an experimental playground. We still do barbecue, but we don't do it in barbecue ways. We do it in unexpected ways. And so, you know, we won't necessarily make barbecue sauces. We may make, you know, we'll do a twist on it. It's where I get to go and have fun. And that's called the, it's on, there's a little town in Hollister, which is across the river from Branson. And they fashion themselves off of like England. So it's called Downing Street. And so this is the Downing Street Poor House, you know, P-O-U-R. It's my little bar and we have fun there. And then we're opening up a sandwich shop here this month. So uh, wow. it's, it, yeah, it's been, been busy. But yeah, 2017 is when the restaurant started. And, you know, I think I quit my day job, uh, you know, like in the middle of 2017 and been rolling ever since. That's what I was going to ask. It's amazing to me when people can just turn it off and go barbecue full time. And obviously you still have the restaurant, so it's not full time competition. But how many competitions sure. are you getting in the year? Well, I mean, I'm in the point chase again this year, which is, you know, it's like NASCAR. And, and so it's every weekend. You can't take any time off. So I'll probably hit upper 30s, maybe 40 at the top end. Uh, 2018 was my peak, and I was running against a guy in Texas, and he and I were going coast to coast in the point chase. Uh, ended up legging him out barely, but I think I cooked 50 that year, and he cooked 54. Wow. And so you're talking about multiple contests in a weekend. And that's a little much, but I generally do about 30. You know, just in a normal year, I'll do about 30 competitions. So. And yeah, I mean, how far are you traveling for that? Is there a lot in the Missouri area? Yeah, well, yeah, Missouri is one of the hot spots. Texas, Missouri, you know, it's obviously the Kansas City Barbecue Society, so there's a ton of Missouri, Kansas, whatever. But we travel around the world. I mean, I cooked one in Costa Rica this year, you know. And, yeah, I heard about that. I want to hear more about that one. Uh, yeah. It's awesome, man. We're doing, we're doing a class down there here in December. Uh, you know, I ended up, ended up doing really well there. And we've done contests in Australia, taught classes in Australia, taught classes in Italy, taught classes in the Netherlands. You know, we've done contests in Europe. So really worldwide, uh, you know, we'll do these contests. But I am lucky that, 
you know, in Missouri, we have a barbecue culture. And so there are a lot of competitions and I've seen every small town in, in Missouri and Kansas and, and eaten at every small town Mexi- Mexican uh, restaurant with Joe Pierce. Joe and I should write a book about the small town Mexican restaurants because we've hit them all together. <laughs> yeah. I, and I would imagine that talking about Joe Pierce, like as you're going through all these competitions, you're seeing the same guys week in, week out. And those rivalries, I know you said like you got the point chase going, but isn't there like some yeah. inter interfriend rivalries going on? Like who's beating out who? Yeah, I did actually to another good friend of mine from uh, Omaha. It's funny as I've been RGCing every weekend. It's funny because I'm most consistent cook out there right now, but I just get second every week. And you know, <laughs> you can't really. I mean, most people kill for that. And of course, I'm I'm a little bit a little bit frustrated. But so Joe and I were in the point chase. So starting coming out of COVID in 2020 and 2021. Joe and I were chasing points across the country, and I bet I spent more time with Joe than I did my family those two years. You know, we were, you know, Thursday through the weekends, man, Joe and I are, you know, somewhere from, you know, we went as far away as California and South Dakota to compete. We went down into Florida, you know, I mean, coast to coast, cooking these competitions that year against Joe. And, and man, yeah, you, you get some good friendships, but there are intensely competitive and, and there's a lot of pressure because you know like you said you're spending a whole year away from your family and this is what you're putting it into and and to come out there and lose and you can't miss a weekend you know and you're, you're just out there so it's it's a tremendous amount of pressure doing that and, and it's fun but uh you do get some good friendships but they are rivalries too it's, it's a lot of fun to watch you guys cook together and, and constantly show up at the competition and say okay this week i'm getting you now have you have you beat Fred in brisket? Oh, no, I'd be Fred all the time in brisket. See, here's uh, the problem. The problem is on Barbecue SA Universe, he's always notched you, except the... Uh, here's the deal. Te- technically, at Cedar Fest, we tied, and I love the tiebreaker in brisket. That's true. Yeah, That's so true. That is true. And then the next year, the cameras went away. You guys were off you know, in Florida or wherever, or better places. And then I, I, I destroyed everybody at Cedar Fest. There's no cameras there. I was even asked the guy, walk up there, it's like, where's Michael? <laughs> Michael's not here, man. I mean, the cameras go away. And I, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it was so funny because same thing. Like we filmed with Robbie Royal, and he was winning like crazy. We filmed with him. He even get an RGC. Gets like a one walk, and he's like, "What the hell?" Goes the next weekend, wins the whole thing again. Like he's so mad every time we show up. <laughs> it, it, you know, barbecue. I was looking at like sales. It's kind of like, okay, I cook this many contests, I'm going to win this many. Con- I win about a third of my contests. You know, I get first or second right now at about half of my contests. So I know it's going to happen, but. I also get wiped out. At, at, you know, every year there's there's four or five contests that you just get wiped out. I mean, everybody's good that's doing professional barbecue. Everybody's trying. And some days you just go there and they just don't like what you do. Maybe you're too sweet or you're too tender or whatever it is. And so I just look at it as you're just rolling the dice every week, and you know you're going to pop up there if you find the right tables or whatever. But you just can't. I mean, and that's got to be difficult for you guys covering it because you can grab the best cook on the planet and pop them in there, and two out of three times they're going to fail. Yeah. You know, and, and so you just got to have the cameras rolling on the right weekend on them. And, and that makes it expensive to do barbecue shows and, and difficult to predict and, and find winners because even though good guys are losing a lot. To your point, it's not only about the winning. Like, it's it's also about the race. It's also about the competition between your different friends and family because not everybody's going to walk. Not everybody's going to GC, especially we're only following six teams out of, you know, a lot of these contests have 40, 50. And then the bigger ones, you know, like American Royal had 500 teams. So the chances of one of our teams actually winning it or getting a walk is very slim. We've actually been pretty yeah. lucky, though, following some people getting walks. Joe Pierce pointed out he's the only one that's gotten a GC on the show so far. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, right. I know. Well, we call him TV Joe for a reason. So 
we've only had our toe in this world for the last year and a half, two years. You've obviously been cooking for a while. What, what are the changes you're seeing in the barbecue competition scene over the years? You know, one of the things hopefully Barbecue USA can produce is, is just get a, a renewed interest. Like, it's a difficult thing to market. Uh, and, and the numbers are down, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, COVID. A lot of people got out of it because of COVID. Obviously, a lot of the festivals went away, and they just never come back. And the expenses right now, I mean, it is, it is prohibitively expensive to go out and do a barbecue contest right now. So if you're not doing it for a reason, like I'm marketing, you know, be it for the brands that I represent or for my own companies, if you're not doing that, it's hard for the average person to go out there and, and, and cook. And, and I always sit there and say, okay, it took me – and if you go look back at my stats, it took me about 50 or 60 contests to get to where I was winning and winning consistently and winning money to be able to pay for it. Well, now you look at a contest costs a couple thousand dollars to do, and you've got to do 50 or 60 of them before you find out if you're any good at it. And that's not even including your trailer. If you want a trailer, your smoker, your truck, everything else. So you're literally, you're looking at laying out minimum of 100000 probably more like two or $250,000 to go figure out if you're any good or not at this game. And, and it's just not a very good mathematical proposal. So we've got to figure out a way to be able to get people that are interested in cooking competitions in without having to break the bank. And I think that's the biggest thing. And the thing that hopefully that shows, you know, Michael's exposure and shows like Barbecue USA, man, I really think that's the kind of thing that needs to happen to get people interested. And other than that, man, it's really just, it goes through its ebbs and flows right now, you know. And, uh, you know, right now, I think we're just kind of in the middle. It's just kind of like, okay. It'd be interesting to see how it builds up, you know, now uh, after COVID and everything coming back, coming back around. Yeah, it was definitely like a big blow to the whole industry with COVID, just crushing all those smaller festivals. But there's still KCBS, you cook almost exclusively, right? I mean, I know you've done some with the CBA down in, in Texas. Yeah, we'll do CBA and we'll do Memphis and Houston is its own. But yeah, let's say 95% of the stuff I do is KCBS. It's kind of the major leagues of competition barbecue. What are you seeing? Uh, and, and, what are you seeing international with KCBS? Is that picking up? Yeah, you know it is, and and you know, especially Australia, and they have their own. Uh, they do KCBS. It's probably about fifty fifty. They have their own Australia barbecue associations down there, and they cook lamb down there, which is a lot of fun. But it's based off KCBS, and they have KCBS contests. And and I know you know next year I plan on going to Brazil. They've got a couple of contests coming in. You know, did one in Costa Rica. Europe is growing. I mean, it's kind of like grassroots, and it's kind of like it used to be here. You know, you don't have the road infrastructure. You know, you can't haul big old trailers and, and dualies you know, through the streets of Amsterdam. So a lot of it's just pickup trucks and maybe some Weber Smoky Mountains or some drums or whatever the back, and they just load in under a canopy. So a lot of it's the way barbecue used to be. And frankly, you know, I'd love to figure out how to get American barbecue out of the trailer, get it out in the front and everybody kind of show up. But, you know, it gets, you know, I just cooked a contest in July and the air conditioning was nice. So, you know, you say that in theory and then you got to go cook one of these things outside and, and you, know, you know, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah it's definitely... In South America, Central America, uh, Europe, Australia, it, it is on the rise in popularity. American-style barbecue is, is, is big, especially Australia. I mean, it's huge down there. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a little more specific. I, I ask everybody on these shows some of their top tips, and I just want to run through the, the top four here. So top tips, chicken. We cook our chicken to death. Those thighs and, and legs that we cook can take a lot of temperature. So we're actually taking our chicken up to – up and over 200 degrees a lot. And I think that's something that people are surprised that they just hear it just gets beat in your head. It's like, no, that dark meat really needs that extra time to break down. It's got the fat in there. It's got the connective tissue. And it can take that extra heat. So don't be afraid to 
code it, I think is the, is the main thing. Get, get it done. Right. And it, it ends up being way more juicy than, than you expect it would be at over 200 degree temperature, finishing temperature. For chicken, I know a lot of stuff is about feel, but for chicken, you're really watching that temperature, or is there another visual or, or feel? It's, yeah, no, and it's always about feel. I mean, you know, I'll kind of poke every single one of them, and what I'm looking for is I feel for the tenderness. And the second thing is, and it's funny because my best chicken boxes, if I'm doing thighs, I'll have little streaks going right down each one because the juice is running out. So you can poke and feel, man, that's tender. And then when you pull that probe out, then you can watch the watch the, the juice trail go down the chicken. You're like, man, I've got something that's that's really tender, really juicy. It's going to score. You know, you yeah. know that it's going to be good. So, so you're looking for you know moisture in, in the meat, and you're also you can obviously bite it. So you got to use external tools to tell you that and, and you're 100 percent looking for tenderness that being said there is a temperature range i mean that like i said anything if it's not north of 200 i put it back on all right very cool top tip ribs man ribs ribs are the toughest meat to cook because we cook hot and fast and our ribs can be done in two hours or they can be done in four hours and that is each individual piece of meat so my top tip on ribs is for tenderness it is absolutely not temperature it is you've got to pick them up and you've got to feel how they feel like that's the only way to do it you know we call it the bed test and you don't want it to break you know if it breaks and breaks in half and probably at home that'd be good but in competition world you just want to start to crack a little bit and i think there's a few good examples i think last week on barbecue usa there was Somebody filmed film that. Oh, no, maybe it's uh, Barbecue Across America. I saw somebody mm-hmm. on that rib episode. I saw somebody yeah. picking up. And that's exactly what you're looking for, what they're talking about. You know, you're looking for it to start to bend, but not necessarily snap in half. And then that's how you know that rib's done, you know. And, you know, in the competition world, I think one of the things I do, and, and you know, we are talking about Fred Robles earlier. I stole this from Freddie a little bit because he would always come up in KCBS and clean up in ribs. I mean, one of the, you know. And he kind of do what I call it the Texas roll now is what I start calling it. That's where he gets out that Weber grill and, and puts a little bit of that backyard char on there. Like Fred are really yeah. set and hard. And I started I started doing that on on my drum and uh watch the scores go up. Whatever reason, man, that, that little bit of char on ribs really seems to seems they to like it. You know, they put this yeah, it puts the scores up. So mm-hmm. I, I will get Fred I, Fred's never beat me ever, but I will get crap <laughs> on that uh, on the uh, again the Texas roll. I know you ended up beating him in our Cedar Fest episode, like you said, with the tiebreaker. But if you had had a clean win and just taken that brisket hat from him, that would have been a great. <laughs> I, it, it never works out the way you think it should. You know, I've got this story in my mind that I'm playing to. That, you know, I, I've got it all scripted, but uh, yeah, the world's not cooperating with me right now. I went down there. I, I just went out there and had fun, and, and I'm like, man, you had a really good group of people at Cedar Fest. And, and, and you, I, you unknowingly, you got people that cook against each other all the time. Yeah. And would already, like, we would have been talking like that if there were no cameras there. And that was probably the most fun I've had, you know, doing TV. It was just down there talking trash. But I think Corey goes in there and wipes everybody out. You know, yeah. little Corey comes in, Corey. in there and destroys Bad everybody. Boys. So. so let's talk about that. What's your top tip for brisket since that's the episode? And brisket, it, believe it or not, is very hard to overcook. I think most people undercook it. I mean, you can do it. Don't get me wrong. I've done it many times. But generally, you know, what I tell people is you think it's done. And you're always going by probe, and you're probing that. Think it's done. You know, if you're cooking on a drum like I am, put the lid back on the drum and let it go 15 more minutes. If you're cooking on a pellet grill or an offset, you think it's done, let it go 30 more minutes. Because it's just something about that magic. And I always tell people, they're like, oh, it's done at 212. And maybe that's right, but sometimes there's 212 where you, where it's still tight and it's not done, and then there's 212 where it's perfectly tender. And a lot of times that, you know, water's boiling at 212 degrees, a lot of times where we're cooking at sea level. And so a lot of times, you know, you're in that wrap and it's bubbling and 212 degrees is happening, and it's tight, tight, tight. 15 or 30 minutes go by, and you go ahead and you probe it again. It's still 212 degrees. 
but it's been breaking down and all the magic's been happening. And so you kind of got 212 degrees where it's tight and you got 212 degrees where it's broken down. So I'm always like, hey, you think it's done? Give it another 15 to 30 minutes. And if you overcook it, there's worse things than overcooking a brisket by 10 minutes. But yeah. you undercook a brisket, you serve a brisket tight, you're dead. Yeah. So always just give it a little bit more time. What, uh, talking about another large piece, the pork shoulder top tip. Yeah, it's pork shoulder. That, that don't cook pork steaks, I guess, would be my number one uh, top <laughs> tip on that. I don't know where that brilliant idea came from. Like, oh, I think this pork steak has changed the rule. But go a little bit sweeter than you think. You know, I think in, in the episode down there in Cedar Park, I was like, ah, you know, the judges don't like, no, they like uh, maple syrup. You know, they're going to go on there. So always have something that's like that, like a little bit of maple syrup to back up the savory. Because that pork really can get a good savory flavor, but it can carry a little more salt, a little more flavor, get a little more bland if you don't put something in there. So layer, layer that sweet on there so you can come back and give it a pop of something. I think it's a really good tip to kind of make that pork stand out. And, and it can really take something, be it honey, uh, be, it, be it syrup, be it some agave nectar, something like that. But I think a little bit of that underneath your sauce, man, really, really sets pork off. Now, I've never asked anybody else this because I haven't really had somebody on my show who's cooking whole hog, but what's your top tip whole hog? <laughs> what's, what's funny is our first one we ever did, we won the world championship. You know, That's we, right. You're the right uh, <laughs> Competition-wise, everything you need on that hog is on the backside. It's on the outside. And so it never made any sense to us why people are splitting them open. You don't need to turn in ribs at Memphis. You don't need, like, that's, you're getting shoulder meat, you're getting ham, you're getting loin, which is already protected by the rest, you know, by everything else. And so keep that thing wrapped up and keep it, you know, cooking it running style. I know the shed that cooks it running style, too. I really think it's key to cook it that way, whereas, like, Myron opens that thing up, and I think it just cooks better. Now, you do get some juice, and you get some benefit of cooking it opened up like that, you know, the juice. But I think cooking it running style and keeping everything compact and don't, Get in there and, you know, trim that much off of it and just let it sit there. The hog's ready to cook the way it comes naturally. And so just go in there and cook it that way. Now, let's talk a little bit about because you won the whole thing last year, Memphis in May. And mm -hmm. was that, that was the first time on the mega drum? Yeah, and we cooked a couple hogs. Uh, I, we said we had testers. Cheap, but we, but no, it wasn't even testers. We did them at festivals. And so it was just a pure marketing. We just out there burning the hog, right? We weren't doing it for competition, feeding the masses. I mean, we go to stadiums, you know, we'll do, you know, there's these Q in the Lou, which is one in St. Louis, or they have one in Jacksonville. They've got one in Denver, I think was the original one. Yeah. And so we'll go to these festivals and cook these whole hogs, but it's just show, right? Like, I mean, and that's, that's all we'd ever done. I mean, we'd never cooked whole hogs. We certainly never done the competition, you know, until we showed up in Memphis in May. But we knew, you know, we cook a lot of pork. And we know pork, and so we knew our theories were sound. Now, you know, we struggled getting it done because that's one of the things Tim and I always have done is just, like, push the envelope. Like, oh, we're hot and fast, so let's start on it. Yeah, there's, no, there's no, like, points for us getting the hog done as fast as you possibly can as close to the time that you need it done as possible. Well, we still do it because we're idiots, right? Like, we could have started the thing at 11 and had it done at, at 9 o'clock in the morning and let it sit there. It's going to get better. But no, no, no. we got to push it and start it at 3 in the morning and, and scramble around and barely get the thing done. But <laughs> I always joke around. It's our first time we ever did it. But, you know, it's not like we're, we're new to the, the, the hog scene. Yeah. No, but I mean, I'm talking about just the actual mega drum of it and that yeah. kind of hot and fast. And, and, and you were doing that at the queue in the 
Uh, yeah, so the mega drum, the initial mega drum came around. You know, we had one of them that would go around to the queue and the loo and, and some festivals that we cook a hog on or cook a bunch of chicken wings on or yeah, yeah. put some pork butts on or whatever. And what's funny is, you know, Tim lives up in Washington, Missouri, and he's got this smoker out back that we call the wishing well. And that's all it is. It looks like a, like a well, or but but it's it's a big drop. And so we cooked on that. We never did a whole hog on it, but we put everything else under the sun on there. So we knew that it was going to run like a regular drum. And, you know, with Memphis and May, uh, Blues Hog was not the team we were following. And we obviously noticed the mega drum early on and got some footage of that. But, you know, after you guys finaled, we were like, hey, let's go over and see what that hog right. looks like on that. And it ended up working out great, and it was a great ending to the show and everything. But uh, walk me through, because we weren't there when the judges came through. Like, when the judges walked in, what were the judges like when they saw that mega drum and tasted that skin? They just light up, right? And the cool thing is, is most barbecue contests, you you know, you're going blind, you go in there, and you, you put it away, and you don't get to tell your story. Well, us being able to go in there and show them this, this cooker, say, hey, we got this hog done, and half the time that all these other teams done it tastes like this and oh by the way all the products are are you know everything from the charcoal from you know the hog come off came off tim's hog farm the rubs i mean everything else like i mean they just light up it absolutely i mean it's human nature i mean they're seeing something and and, and when you get to be the on-site judges are usually a little more experienced and then the finals judges are even the more experienced ones right they get an opportunity to do that and when these final judges are coming in there and asking you questions and, and you can just see them like you know we knew we had them, right i mean do we know somebody else could have come out there and jumped up there and beat us and had a great you know we, we were going against heath riles we were going against uh uh you know some great cooks that were finaled in the other ones uh yeah. it, last year and so you don't know if one of them jumps up and doesn't have a good day but we knew you know, just by the judge's reaction uh, that that we had done everything we needed to do to win a world championship that day and and showed them something that that they'd never seen before and and really expand their horizons. And they're just sitting there asking questions. You can tell they love barbecue. That's why they're judging, right? And and they're sitting there looking at that drum and looking at it. And, and, you know, it it so turned out it was perfect because we couldn't, you know, we would cut it so close that we couldn't get the drum off. And so we had all the kale and everything on there. And when we're lifting the drum up, there's a little bit of smoke coming out still. You know, you still get a little bit of flavor because the thing's lit, you know. And, and for whatever reason, man, everything just fell into place. Last year, you guys were just, like, you're right. It was the novelty. It was the surprise. It was the newness of it all. Uh, and it also was such a great feeling moment. Like, oh, wow, this is like history in the making, the fastest hog. And it was just kind of neat to see and, and be there and be a part of that. And then this year, you guys had those extra. Didn't you come out with a couple more drums? Like, yeah, it was just a bigger display. Yeah, well, we had two last year. We had three this year, yeah. you know, so we could get our uh, blind box hot off of off a of mega drum, too. So, yeah, just bigger. And, I mean, everything. You know, we learned a lot. You know, we learned that, hey, we're really good, but uh, we're, we're not good enough to, to not come in there and focus, you know, yeah. 100% to, to get so, it done. So. Are you guys already planning next year? Oh yeah, yeah, we're mad. We're coming in mad. We spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time on the phone after that. So we're going to come in lean and mean next year. I think you're going to see uh, us pretty focused. And you're not going to go back to a pork shoulder or ribs. It'll pretty much be whole hog. I think we're going to do whole hog. We, you know, it, what's funny is a red team hadn't won it in you know over 20 years, and and you yeah. know I don't know. Spoiler alert here, but yeah. uh, it's already happened. But uh, rib team wins Memphis May this year and you could just kind of tell it was getting set up that way right like they kept yeah. on talking about it and talking about it and talking about it 
And I think if, uh, you know, rib team wouldn't have won it, then, then Tim and I probably would have stepped back maybe and done ribs. But but now that's already been done, there's not. Nobody's ever won all three categories. So I could see us at some point maybe backing up and trying to win ribs uh, yeah. just because it's just never been. I don't know if anybody's ever won two categories, to be be honest with you. And we've won shoulder and we've won hollow. Yeah. And so going back and winning ribs is something that, that you know, I imagine we'll give a shot at uh, at some point. But, the, you know, counterintuitively, cooking the smaller meats is way more work than cooking the hog. Sure. Because you have, when, you, when you cook those ribs, man, you've got like 40 racks of ribs you're trying to manage. It's so much more work. And Hoggy put it on there. And, you know, we pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that Skipper climbing up in the jump trying to get the hog in there has got to make the, the cut of, of what's on the episode. But, we, you know, we, we outsource most of that work, Tim and I do. So, so it's, it's really not that hard. We just kind of come in our bar orders and, you know, throw, throw some meat in the box. So it's really yeah. The, the man that when we did ribs the first time and we ended up fourth of our first contest, we were fourth of ribs overall and it was a lot of work. So. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. And uh, yeah, looking forward to everyone seeing you guys on that episode. One last question for you is like, what's the one piece of advice if you could go back and tell yourself before you got started in barbecue competition, what, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> oh man, I've, you get caught up in equipment, you get caught up in everything else. And I, I think just jump in and do it. Like, I think I stood out there and looked at it from a perspective of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not good enough. And I, you know, I just, I waited too long to get into it. I think is my advice, you know, competition barbecue is just intimidating and, and it really doesn't need to be. It's really like, we're not doing anything. Like you watch this stuff, you see it on barbecue USA. It's not magic, man. We're just, you know, we're in there just doing it, you know, sauce it up, turn it in, man. And it's, it, yeah, is it difficult? Yeah, but I mean, it's it, get into it. And don't be intimidated by it. I love that. And what other sport can you go up against a pro and actually have a shot at uh, winning? I mean, that's pretty amazing. Very cool. Well, great talking with you. Thanks for taking the time. Where can we find all your stuff? Where's the best place to find you? Getting basted. Yep, at getting basted. You can find us, and then also uh, the barbecue league. So uh, the bbqleague.com. Both those two you can find us and timmy you can find over at blues hog i do a lot of stuff through there i think uh you know so any of those places you track us down and we do a lot of stuff you want to see you know anything uh social media whatever especially the barbecue league we've got a ton of content on there so get out there and check us out we will check it out and looking forward to seeing you you're going to be in a few little i think you made a couple cameos throughout the season two here of barbecue usa but you will be on memphis in may episode we actually follow blues hog on their uh memphis in may competition which is going to be a lot of fun to watch great talking to you and we'll see you soon barbecue three two one barbecue three two one thank you for listening to barbecue three two one pitmaster interviews if you like what you heard and want to hear more subscribe to the podcast or check out bbq321.com